Because it has been a while. So it's, yeah, it's been a jeffing while. A lot's happened since since last I spoke to all nine of the listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All of Welcome yeah, all back. of those in sort of northern <laughs> northern Western Europe. I was about to say, don't forget, like <laughs> most of our listenership, I think at this point comes from Belgium, which is a very very strange prospect to think about. One I've the... always said about how brilliant Belgium is. <laughs> oh, such fine exports, waffles, yeah. you know. I'd be intrigued. Nice I'd be intrigued to see whether or not our listenership uh, tailed off as soon as Max started openly insulting Dutch people, though, <laughs> or whether or not it grew exponentially. But we just replaced them. But I don't think if there's any if there's any populace that isn't going to be insulted by. You know, insults. It is the Dutch, isn't it? You know, that's what they say about them. To be fair, that they they don't get easily yeah. insulted by yeah. widespread got, xenophobia. They've got their pharmaceuticals. They've got their windmills. <laughs> they probably have some more things in Holland. <laughs> how are you doing anyway? Like how how has the last month been? Nowly, now a wedded man. Newlywed. Uh, it's been a blur, is the honest answer. Um, yeah, it's sort of... Uh, a lot of things are slightly more challenging to do in a wedding ring. Like, I think, like, typing. I had to learn to type again, and obviously that's not the key takeaway from what it's like to be married. But, like, <laughs> I don't know, being... Yeah, I don't think this will make it into the podcast, Tom. This isn't very good content. I know, but I thought I'd hit record anyway, just because, just in case anything did come up. Just in case, well, Max is here now, so more good things might sort of crop up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's like um, it's really good. It's really good being married. Nice. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten would recommend. Did you have a did you did you have a nice day, of which we all got really the wedding. Drunk? Yeah, the word. Oh, yeah, you were absolutely, absolutely twatted. I know. I think the uh, the highlight of my night was um, well, actually, I say that like obviously there were a lot of highlights, including getting married. One of the highlights <laughs> of my life um, was when uh, Sam tried to, when we were trying to smoke some cigars, and Sam kept trying to light the plastic packaging that the cigar came in. Oh shit, I forgot about that bit. I kept getting cigar smoke directly in my right eye and it, it completely blinded me. There was absolutely... I, I remember being like, I, I just don't think I can smoke it anymore because it, I, every every inhale that I took, I just got a waft from like up in the mountains of Eam just directly back into my eyeballs. Plus we were sat around like a big open fire as well. So it was like roasting eyeballs around an open fire, to be honest. <laughs> One of the all-time least pleasurable experiences on a on a on a glorious day, to be honest. I thought it was all right once I got the hang of it. Yeah, I I I quite enjoyed smoking it. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not a I'm not a joker and a token and a midnight smoker, but I did sort of <laughs> I did go for that. Um, I'm Famous to think... brother of Ed. The Steve Miller Band. Oh, yeah. 
me and me and Steve Miller, we go so far <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah. Oh, I feel like my, um, uh, did you... my slight political commentary just there went just a little bit over the heads. But enough I, about um... who, enough about who did and didn't bring the podcast into disrepute at the wedding. <laughs> well, I was going to say, did we discuss? Did we discuss the DJ? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, to be honest, we we sort of didn't we didn't really touch upon the vast majority of it. We thought we we thought we'd sort of leave it um, until either you or Emma came back to the show, or both. I mean, I I can tell the story if you want now because I've have you guys heard it, the full story, the full picture. Not the full picture. We we got bits and pieces through via the group chat and how angry you were, but we've not heard the full bit yet. So basically, this this DJ turns up and he's not mentioned once that he's like, "Oh, I'm a DJ and a singer." And he was like, "Okay, so I've turned up with my stuff. Do you want me to sing your first dance song?" And we were like, "No." <laughs> And then he was like, well, do you want me to sing at all? And we were like, no. And then we've never heard you sing. Like, we've not we've not vetted any any song requests or anything like that. Um, I said, no, you know, the groom. Emma said, no, the bride. (laughs) And then the maid of honor and the best man all said, you are not singing. (laughs) Do not sing. And then what happened? As as we're leaving the venue, we hear a voice get on the microphone and says, well, I've been told I can't sing, so I'm just going to do one. And then <laughs> breaks oh. into Without Me by Slim Shady. Yeah. That is the most, one of the most terminally British things I've ever heard occur. Like, it's just the way that he was just like, well, do you... Do you want me to sing a song? <laughs> it's like that bit, do you know on Love Island where someone goes, yeah. does anyone want me to rap to break the mood a bit? <laughs> All time. What it a... was a bizarre scene, um, which Tom, when <laughs> Tom fucking loved that part. <laughs> Look, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's nothing that... There's I like the wedding there's, n- there's literally nothing that I can't enjoy um, at, at a wedding. I, I'm 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 there I'm there for the good vibes and 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 that's all. Can't hold me down. Didn't realize that this whole encounter had, had taken place there, where he wasn't meant to sing though. And in my defense, I think I'd just gotten back from the bathroom at the exact moment that he started that. In your defense, you were absolutely shit faced. I was shit faced. It's fine. We all had a good time. I still remember Sam coming up to me. I might, might have may have brought this up to you guys. Um, when Sam came up to me at six o'clock, so when we were when we were eating dinner, yeah, and Sam came up to me and whispered in my ear that he'd had eighteen beers. Yeah, he did. I was like, he, he had. Like, had... Are, you, <laughs> are you are you are you joking? He's like, nope, eighteen. Yep. I remember as well, uh, I know the exact point of where I crossed over the threshold and it's where I had, uh, I think I had three glasses of wine on the go and they were all different colours, so. (laughs) (laughs) Dreadful occasion for for my liver. Yeah. I can't imagine. The exact moment that I crossed over was when I came back from the bathroom (laughs) and and Flo 
handed me a shot of unidentifiable liquid. And I was like, where's this? She said, Aspen told me to give it to you. And I did it, and it was fucking coffee liqueur. Oh, no. <laughs> the the worst part is, is I feel like... I feel like having a coffee liqueur shot... Sorry, I couldn't speak for a second then. Good for a podcast. Um, The worst part about it is, like, it actually doesn't... I feel like even though I don't like coffee, it's actually all right. Like, it's quite a nice drink. It goes down quite nicely. I had a baby Guinness on on Saturday. That went down lovely. I I blame that entirely for why I threw up an hour later. So it was easier going in than coming out, is basically <laughs> that. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> all right. We uh, we do have some games to discuss. We're also about to get a special guest for the first time on the show. But, of course, that's all pending on what time they get into the waiting room. So shall we turn our attention to football matters, everybody? On this 101st episode of the Stiff Upper Lip podcast, which we sort of glossed over a little bit. We're doing... It's episode 101. The 101th episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> what a time to be alive, eh? Thank you, everybody, for listening for 100 episodes previously. Let's hope that we get another 100 in before we cross that 15 average listener threshold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the real podcast... My- was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> when they're like, you're getting a lot of uh, you're getting a lot of listeners from uh, from Cuba, lads. Why is that? And they're like, oh, torture. Of yeah. course. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know the um, Havana syndrome. It's just this podcast played at like dog level frequency, just being blasted <laughs> at various American embassies across Central Europe. <laughs> I imagine that listening to this show more than three times over the course of like a full NFL season is sort of akin to being waterboarded, but more yeah. that like Chinese waterboarding where you sort of you you you're tied down and there's just one drip of water just dropping onto between your eyes and it keeps you awake, but it it's it's only like every five minutes, so it's just really uncomfortable. And that's what this podcast is, not only to listen to, but to record as well. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) Let's get into some football. just realized i was on my uh, i was on mute yes we are back as you have already been listening uh for about 10 minutes or so to the stiff up lip podcast we're being joined back by ed who has returned from his honeymoon and has now had to rejoin us back in the torture chamber how are you doing mr edward wilkins freshly married you know it is lovely to be back i am happy to be alive Brilliant. Uh, we've also got a Mr. Max Saito. How are you doing, Max? Yeah, not too bad. It's good to have the newly minted Mr. Wilkins back on the show. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was not my title before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I always wonder what point do you tr- like cross over officially in like registries from master to mister? Is it meant to be when you get married, or is it just sort of an indetermined point in in time? I think master is when you're lame. Ah, yeah, that's a, that's a fair so, like, point. Because like if someone's like twenty three with a lame, you're like, oh yeah, it's still master so and so. But like eighteen and you're a legend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the master to legend to Mister Pipeline. <laughs> Eventually, you'll you'll hopefully make your way to Sir and or Lord. <laughs> Baron <laughs> Wilkins. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. I like Baron Wilkins. It's, it's, I, I want to be a character kind of like the Red Baron, though, you know, like less landed gentry and more like sort of strange pilot. <laughs> uh, I'm just imagining the evil bastard from Wacky Races. What? Uh, Dick Dastardly? No, Dick Dastardly. Oh, Baron, the, the fifth Baron of Dastardly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyway, talking of Baron, how about the NFL landscape, lads? How are we feeling? <laughs> it it was a particularly bad week. Ed, you picked a real corker to come back for, because most of them have been... They've at least been, like, good weeks for entertaining games, even if they've been largely poorly played. This one kind of just blew. It just sucked. Yeah, I mean, I've even come back on a Minnesota bye week. Like, I even talked about the fact that they're doing well. <laughs> Although, I guess I have. Oh, i tell you what, though. Before we get anywhere, how excited are you that Sam finally has a team with a positive record? Uh, it has... It's made my whole season seeing Sam enjoy just one year of NFL football. Uh but as we found out in the group chat, Max actually uh, holds deep jealousy almost about Sam's enjoyment of a season. You know, there once was a time in the NFL where the Giants weren't considered plucky underdogs. Um, they managed to become the third biggest, third richest team in the league by being a really good team for like four years. And so the Packers and the Giants is a rivalry. We beat them in their last playoff game. They beat us when we were fifteen and one. They beat that that Brett Favre. I just think um, I just think I'm allowed to not like another historic massive NFC team. I wasn't happy <laughs> when the Forty Nineers were good either. Yeah, but I feel like with the Forty Nineers it's different because I almost I almost picture them as being a little sort of. Kind of weird and and I don't know. They just seem like a bit of a tacky big team. Whereas the Giants, they always came across as sort of imposters a little bit as as one of the big teams in the NFL. Maybe that's just the Eli syndrome. So I'm quite glad that they're back at the at the upper end this season. Mainly just yeah, for the Sam. most recent Super Bowl win out of any of the teams represented on this podcast. You might be right about that front. I might be. <laughs> all i'm saying is i'm not taking the piss out of them so i respect them but i don't have to like them <laughs> That's no, i mean i'm not a huge giants fan i'm a huge sam fan and i'm so excited that he gets to finally <laughs> yeah i don't know say nice things about his team yeah this whole i'm excited that his life is going well in other departments this whole venture <laughs> 
the whole 100 episode saga that we've been going on, even though he's only been here for about 74 of those, he's still, he's not actually been able to celebrate a single positive for the G-Man. No. Even this Daniel Jones time. looks like an actual competent starter. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Jones looks fine. This is the first. Uh, this is the first year since the Super Bowl year where they've had like, is it three games above five hundred? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think weirdly, both New York teams haven't been above five hundred at the same time since like twenty eighteen, and now both of them have some actual breathing room above five hundred as well. Comfortably floating above the uh, the shit river sea, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. A, I don't even Both know what a, I don't even know what that means. Handed one cheek each back to the Packers, didn't they? <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> um, yes. Shall we? Uh, shall we turn our attention then to Thursday night football? Just while we're waiting on our on our potential guest who can come in and. Uh, Sure, just, yeah. ra- just rattle a game off quickly, which actually weirdly turned out to be one of the better games of the uh, of the week, where we got the Arizona Cardinals beating the New Orleans Saints forty-two to thirty-four. Neither team getting above five hundred right now, but um, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll 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 give some props here to both teams' offenses here. Andy Dalton. 361 yards and four touchdowns. Weirdly, Taysom Hill has started has really started making his mark again on the NFL landscape. Um, so that's year... one of the least enjoyable narratives of the season for me, the resurgence <laughs> of Taysom Hill. Yeah. <laughs> like, why? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and they know. treat it like, they, they treat it like, oh my God, we're so clever because we get our expendable backup quarterback to run. It's like every every other team could do that, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, not, not every other team does do that. And that's the important thing. What, because they have self-respect? <laughs> Look, you, any team I mean, that actually employs Taysom Hill may as well just go, fuck it put him out there every like every 20 or so snaps and let him bust yeah, a big been... a big run to be fair to him he's playing a lot better than Kamara isn't he a little bit yeah weirdly strange times <laughs> yeah it's um it was it was it was a very fun game i think that you you hear a lot that the saints have lost another close one and like they've kind of got in their own way a little bit with the back to back pick sixes Obviously not Andy Dalton's finest hour, but you know the the thing is they're in a they're in a division where the best team looks to be the Falcons, and of course they're the Falcons, so their record isn't great. And I think the the Saints are they're three and four, aren't they? So they're only one. No, the the Saints are two, are and, two and five. five. Yeah, yeah. Ah, so ah, they're still only like two games out from being the division leaders in that conference. <laughs> like it's. Ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. We're actually in a in a position where the Carolina Panthers are one game out from a division lead. That is genuinely what what the NFC South looks like. I think that both Souths, in terms of divisions in the NFL, dreadful this year. Not a single team I'd buy as an actual deep playoff run team. You... Oh my god! I think that if 
if if everyone on the Falcons was healthy, I think they'd be an absolute nightmare to play in the playoffs. The only problem is though is that we've look at we look at this as being like a oh if they were healthy, but like the Falcons corners their whole defensive back situation just got a hell of a lot worse because AJ Terrell's now hurt. So it's like the the whole NFC South is just mired in in either injury or mediocrity. But imagine if you were like you're going into the season and like you know um, the N- the AFC AFC West like oh Russell Wilson Justin Herbert Patrick Mahomes and Derek Carr I mean wow that's great and then you look at the NFC South and it's Andy Dalton <laughs> PJ Walker Marcus Mariota and a very decrepit looking Tom Brady yeah um, lot of lot of lot of thresholds are being not met here in the NFC South. <laughs> uh as for the Cardinals, they they desperately needed this win to almost cement just a little bit of of respect heading into the mid season hard knocks where teams will get to spend more time with Kyler Murray, I assume, which I guess as as the average NFL fan I really wanted to do. I think that the perception of Kylo Murray is that he's a petulant teenager, isn't it? Yeah. Which he's like, not really helped his own image. No. No, like the the prevaricating and the like demanding a new contract and then the That weird the, Rich the Eisen interview that he had before he got drafted was already like putting him on, on shaky ground, I thought. <laughs> Not watch. Yeah. <laughs> How many ways can Kyler Murray out himself as a knob? But it's um, <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's a strange one because I mean, Nuke basically walked in. Did you see the cliff that uh, quote where he said, "No idea where he's been or where he's been, what he's done, but my God, we need him." Because what like Nuke some sort of. As though they put up like a big, uh, like cardinal symbol in the sky, and DeAndre Hopkins came strolling in off the street. How do you not know where he yeah. is or what he's been doing? He's he's the most he's like the second highest paid player in the whole team. How did they it's lose a, him? It's a scary thought. Like, you don't know. Like, there's a wide receiver running around. He sort of like lives in the crawl spaces in the <laughs> the, the Cardinals practice facility. He's never left. He's been here the whole time. <laughs> yeah, running, around, <laughs> running around in some boiler room like mankind. Yeah, imagine like there's a there's like you know where they have the meetings and then the camera pulls back like through yeah. the grate. And then there's like <laughs> the Cardinals, Cardinals, 1920 to nineteen twenty one. Oh, yeah. They they did need this win though to to put a little bit of a positive spin on them. They they looked like a team that. That we're starting to maybe connect a little bit more. Weirdly, Eno Benjamin, who is a guy that I didn't really expect to be sort of able to carry a team, uh, had ninety-one, uh, sorry, ninety-two rushing yards and a touchdown. Pretty decent day for him, really, considering that James Conner's now out for a while. They're going to need him to keep that up. Um, but yeah, Sounds just... like you can find effective running backs anywhere. Yeah, you just got to actually scheme for them, apparently. 
Good to know that the air raid offense is exactly what we were all expecting though, which is it looks exactly the same as a normal West Coast offense, but this time slightly worse. Okay, so we now turn our attention to uh, Monday Night Football, where the Chicago Bears managed to pick up another victory and climb to three and four on the year. Who'd have thunk it? The Bears actually somehow hanging around in the NFC playoff hunt, weirdly. Uh, they beat the New England Patriots 33-14. to um, Big story for me in this one, is Mac Jones in trouble in terms of his position as the starting quarterback? Future Colt. I think that, yeah, there's been a lot of... Um... There's been a lot of chat of, oh, yeah, he'll, he'll be a cult before the deadline. And, I mean, what is Bill doing? Like, you don't bench your starter for, like, how, how do you show faith in the guy? Well, I assume that the reason probably might have been because he's coming back off of this, like, high ankle sprain. But even still, like, just don't start him. What was the point? Yeah. It, it, all it, all it does him. is just create these questions and Bill Belichick refuses to answer them because that's always been who he is. So it's like a, all right, so if you're going to play Bailey Zappi, then why why did you start Mac Jones? And if you're not going to start Bailey Zappi, why did you bench Mac Jones after just six pass attempts? It was very strange, very yeah. weird game, very disjointed. The sample size was so small. And the other thing is they, they seem to really open the playbook. when I mean, obviously, I know the sample size was a lot bigger, but they seem to be so much less vanilla when Zappi was in the offense, which makes you think, like, what's gone on with Mac? It was, um, I don't, I don't know if I'd say that they got more like expansive. I, again, it was like such a small, like such a, sorry, such a small sample size. Sorry, um, for Mac Jones when he was actually in there, that it was like, I know that they scored the touchdown via a Bailey Zappi like, throw to um, Jacoby Myers, but also at the same time, like, if there's if there's a guy wide open because of blown coverage, I think anybody could really feasibly hit that as long as they can throw a ball, so I don't I don't know, it, it, they just, they seem disjointed as a whole, um, and it, it does show up on the box score, because they just didn't really they didn't really do anything, the Bears just kind of ran away with it they just romped yeah, it's funny to say, isn't it? Like, for the second week in a row, the Bears have been the better team. Only this week, the points came. Like, I thought the the past two games have probably been the best, or maybe even three games. The past three games have been the best of Justin Fields' career. Yeah, I I mean, I'd go along with that. Again, quite short or small sample size, but, you know, Justin Fields now in his second year. It's weird, though, that we're still talking about how it's, like, best of his career and he still only had like 179 passing yards I can't remember the last time that he broke 250 um, if he even has at this point maybe he hasn't, maybe he has it's very like, I mean you can like, you can certainly win with this model and a lot of teams I mean the Giants and the Jets come to mind as teams who are winning with this model of dominating with the run and having a stout enough defence to win, I mean just if I can quickly go back to the like the, the Patriots thing with the, with the quarterbacks, I mean, Matt Jones, 
said he knew that Bailey Zappi was going to come in at some point in the game, which to me suggests that there was a plan to alternate them, which is an odd plan because, like you say, it doesn't really make any sense to create inconsistent quarterback play across the team. And to me, um, I just think because Bill Belichick, it doesn't matter what they ask Bill Belichick, even if he has an answer that would put out the the fire of speculation, he would he would just not give it. He would just go, yeah, no, whatever. We just on to the next game. And although they did score a couple of touchdowns, they did finish with fumble, punt, punt, pit, interception, end of game. So three turnovers and a couple of punts in there. So yeah, I don't think it's time to freak out about that just yet. I still think it's Mac Jones's job, but it, it was an odd, odd decision. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's get our our guest in for the first time on the show. We got ourselves. If he's if he's still here. Hello. Hello. Welcome hey. in. Uh, for the first time on the Stiff Upper Lip Show, the Stiff Upper Lip Podcast, we've got. A Mr. Tommy Claps, Tom Clapham. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, thank you. Pretty good. Wonderful to hear. Um, we we sort of moved on a little bit to uh, Patriots Bears just in the in the while that uh, we're waiting. So we've still got the Steelers and Dolphins game to talk about. But before we move on, do you have any points about uh, Patriots Bears, given that you are a division rival? Sorry to drop you into the line like this, but... No, I'm just enjoying watching the Patriots get um, beaten quite severely. It's quite, um, it's just enjoyable, really. That's entirely fair enough. Um, fantastic. All right. Well, does anybody have anything else to say about this uh, this game, or are we moving on? I, th- I think my new wife would kill me if I didn't mention the fact that the Bears are better than we all thought they'd be. Yeah. Well, I I uh, didn't we've, pick them it, to I've be the it, number go. one overall <laughs> pick. That's that's that's. I'm I'm just gonna lay on the fence right there. Okay, it makes you wonder what would happen if they kept all their good players. <laughs> it's a good point. Dripping in sass. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, let's move on then. Back a night to Sunday night football, where well, guest. Of the show, Tom Clapham. He watched the Miami Dolphins beat my Pittsburgh Steelers sixteen to ten, improved to four and three. Tua Tungavailoa is back, and well, it was a very weird, kind of sloppy, very defense-heavy game. Um, <laughs> do you want to take the first reins on this, given that you are, in fact, the victor who can celebrate? Yeah. <laughs> It, um, when I was as I was walking home um, today, I I did think to myself, um, it was it did kind of feel like more of a, a Dolphins game to lose than a Pittsburgh game to win. Um, I'm not convinced by Pittsburgh at all this year, and they've been picking up victories where I didn't think they would, and getting losses where I thought they might win. So then it came to this one, and with Tua back, I figured it would fa- be fairly routine, and then all of a sudden it got very very close. Yeah, the uh, the Dolphins jumped out to like a thirteen nothing lead just purely off of like the the opening drive where Tua just marched down the field. It looked like you were going to absolutely paste us for large parts of the game, 
and then it became a couple field goals, and and then that was that was like it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know what I was seeing. It's um, the defense has been extremely suspect all year, um, but it was one of the strengths coming into the season. So we had fast defensive players, this great defense, and then that was going to carry us. Um, all of a sudden, the defense just were not showing up, and the offense is balling out. Then there's some injuries come in, and now the defense is ready. Yeah, I'd go along with that. It's weird, isn't it, that um, like it's it's weird that Mike Zimmer left the NFL at the end of last year, and then like now every other team is playing Zimmer ball like out of nowhere. Like every <laughs> like Miami are doing it, Pittsburgh are doing it. I it's so weird, and it was it was good to see Tua back. That was my main takeaway from this game. It was good to see him back. I know there's been a lot of talk of him taking unnecessary hits. Well, he took a couple in this game. He lowered his head into Devin Bush twice. I was, I honestly, I felt more worried for Tua's head after after both of those. Just purely from the, even just from an opposite fan, I was like, what are you doing? Why have you, Devin Bush may be like a bit of a sort of weak tackler at times, but he's still going to knock the head off of you if he's gotten the opportunity. What are you doing? Just Slide. I feel like Andrew Luck-esque, isn't it? People have um, forgotten that like quarterbacks are still NFL caliber players. I know that they protect themselves a lot, but they're protecting themselves more because they're so vital to a team. When people were taking hits here and there, they they're gonna take hits. I mean, Joe Burrow took so many hits last year and got up after every single one of them. To a yeah, granted in the game with the Bills, he when he faltered and fell to the ground, that was worrying. But then. Quarterbacks getting hit left, right, and centre. It's part of the game. Um, but yeah, dropping your head is not really not really the one, is it? Yeah, it's not. It didn't feel very smart. And it was quite telling that after the game, I think he said, Yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. I think that the coaches probably gave him an earful in the dressing room as soon as he did the second one. And he was just like, Oh, yeah, okay, maybe it's a good point. I shouldn't go lowering my head directly into a linebacker's shoulder pads. <laughs> very uh very strange situation um yeah in in fairness i think i was almost um really surprised by um the way that the game ended up going after the first quarter because i don't i don't think i've seen a steelers team adjust defensively until like midway through the third quarter for quite some time so it was quite weird to see that happen after the first quarter where like Miami went on these long drives where Raheem Mostert seemed to be averaging like 11 yards a carry on like outside zone runs to the left Tua was doing like 1.4 second throws quickly into the hands of Jalen Waddle, and then all of a sudden it was like okay so we're going to actually cover a guy now and the whole team just started stagnating. It didn't. It just didn't feel like there was any correlation between what happened in the first quarter and the rest of the game. Very strange game to watch. Mm. Um, and it it shows up as well because not a single point was scored by either team in the second half, despite multiple chances, including the Dolphins going for it on fourth and three, uh, with a with a outside zone run. It felt again. Neither team really felt like they were comfortable playing in the elements that they were presented with, which is mm. odd, 
because Miami play there all the time. (laughs) (laughs) um, The presence, I think, of Coach Flo will have been a lot more significant than a lot of people let on. He... At the end of his tenure in Miami, regardless of where you sit on the on the coach floor, Miami stuff, it um, it was very toxic there, and I imagine that the Dolphins probably wanted to get one over on him, but then let that fall into the play of um, making silly mistakes, trying to. Yeah, I, this again on the other side, it felt like he was trying to specifically stick one in his former employers because yeah. I I don't think I've seen Devin Bush play as well as he has done the last couple of weeks since his rookie season, specifically in this game against the Dolphins where he seemed to be flying all over the place. He, it seemed like he wasn't scared of making a tackle. And I bet that that's purely because Brian Flores told him pre-game, if you don't go out there and fucking hit stick a couple guys, if you if you let one tackle get through your hands, you're not only cut from the team, but I'm personally going to drop kick you out into the Allegheny River. And it seemed to work, so fucking nice work, Brian. But the Dolphins do still get the victory, and it's quite an important one for the season, considering that you'd lost the last three without Tua. It was kind of, you needed to get this back on on the right track, Um, whereas our season is firmly long gone. And now it's all about just, let's just try and not score less than 10 points a game, thanks. Stop putting us in primetime, NFL schedule makers. Nobody wants it, not even me. <laughs> can I can I ask a question? This is for clappers, not chappers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I my my issue with the Dolphins a couple of years ago was that I found the offensive scheme to be like super vanilla. Yeah. I obviously I watched the um, the Vikings game, but again because that was like. Skyler and then Teddy for a bit. I got the sense they were kind of keeping a lot of the playbook closed. What yeah. are your thoughts now? Like, is it st- does it still have that vanilla element to it, or is it? It it feels a lot better. Um, the thing is, for for a number of years, all of the time I remember them under uh, Flores, and previous to that, with even worse co- coordinators, it was as if they were bringing in just whoever was available. Um, at one point, they went core coordinator, which is not. Is not something I would ever imagine a team should do. Um, now it feels like they want to play well, but um, it's a little bit like when you're when you're um, playing like Madden, for example, and you get a shiny new toy in free agency, and so your entire uh, game plan then goes through that player. Um, and so, I mean, Tariq Hill looks incredible, but one injury or one misstep or one slowdown from him, and the offense then kind of sits back. They've got players like Jalen Waddell, Raheem Mostert, um, even Chase Edmonds who can't catch a ball. Oh, but, he had um, so many dreadful drops in this one. Oh, my, I was watching the game with the Dolphins fan, and uh, he was he was saying in preseason like, "Oh, I really like the idea of getting Chase Edmonds in because yeah. he's a good receiving back." And by like the third drop in this game, where he had about five yards of open field in front of him before Miles Jack even caught up, he he, I'm pretty sure that he logged off from the server for just like five minutes just to let his own head just simmer in like medium heat yeah just to tepper at the uh at medium heat and 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 just keep on bubbling because he fucking hated chase edmonds by the end of that game it was bad um it feels yeah it feels a lot better it feels a more exciting offense i'm a big fan of um coach mcdaniel 
I think he can really bring something. But at the moment, it does feel a little bit like he's kind of a little lost in his own hype and his own like, oh, I can do this, I can do this. And there's never any basics. There's never any back to basics. It's always, oh, well, these four receivers are going to run all in random directions and pick out one of them. And it doesn't really feel as as complete as it could be. Yeah, I got that impression, especially, like I said, with the fourth and three, like, if they just went back to basics, there's there's a field goal right on board right there. You could just take yeah. the three points. It goes up. You're up 19 to 10 at that point. The Steelers don't score very often. There's no there's no risk. Whereas for the mm. rest of the fourth quarter, it was like, shit, at any point, this game could completely turn around. Even right yeah. down to the last, like, 40 seconds. All because it was a one-score game. It just felt he's a little bit in his own head. Um I just got one final point really about this game. Uh, anybody else can weigh, weigh in with any, any other bits, but I just want to say fire Matt Canada. Uh, I'm absolutely sick to death of watching run, run, pass, and then three jet sweeps in a row or the one shovel pass that he saw Mahomes do to Kelsey, but he does it to fucking Zach Gentry on like a third and six. I'm sick of it. Get out of my fucking team, Matt Canada, you bum. I Yeah, I have sincerely never seen uh, a coordinator play the same play four times in a row the way Matt Canada does. I, I, I actually made a point. Do you remember in episode like four where Randy Feekner did the same outside zone run three times in a row and I specifically called him out for doing it? I would accept and a three-time outside zone run at this point. Because at least then there's that's part of an overall game plan. It at least worked the first time. I've never seen a guy go for a fake jet sweep handoff and then a reverse and then it go for one yard and then he tries it three plays later. What a bum. I'm sick of him. What a joke of a fucking coordinator. I haven't roasted him though. properly yet. I mean, Doug Marone is available. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> but at least Doug Marone has experience of coaching at an NFL level. Matt Canada's offense is high school. I'm pretty sure that there's there was a scene that was circulating, and I can't remember which movie it was from, but it was from like some '90s spy film or something. I mean, it's like it was a bunch of kids playing in a park, and the the guy goes up to one of his mates, and he's like, "Why are they just running the same six plays?" And he's like, "Oh, we just run the same six plays, but..." when they're executed right it works better i'm pretty sure that matt canada watched that added 10 more plays and then just thought ah oh, that, that that sounds like a good way to run an entire nfl organization with like a bunch of really talented wide receivers or one really talented wide receiver one pretty talented and one complete jackass so you know <laughs> it's a low-key big week for the Dolphins next week against the Lions because um, going back to the McDaniel thing it, I thought I mean on this podcast I was like after that Ravens game where he, the Dolphins offense was getting a lot of credit obviously having a massive outburst I was a, it was a bit like um, it all came about when after the sort of game plan goes out of the window um, and you're down big so I've kind of been a bit more hesitant to jump on the McDaniel hype train and it, it's been really hard to judge obviously the constant quarterback changes and with the trend of scoring across the league anyway like you, you can say like 
They've only had one game where they've scored over 21 points, but there's mitigating factors. Next week, they're against the Lions, who are a terrible defense, and, and hopefully they'll have their um, most preferred quarterback coming off a week of, of full preparation. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, because at the moment, although they're putting up numbers, it's a bit... Yeah, the jury's still out a little bit, but no yeah. reason to, there isn't a doubt yet, I don't think, yeah. It'd be nice for a massive performance. Just one where we just open up a couple of hundred yard receivers again. Um, one of my closest friends is a Ravens fan and he was furious because he just, he said it was less about the offensive output and more about the defenders just stopping to defend. And you've still got to score those points, but when nobody covers anybody, you're going to look fantastic. And you look at it and it's all garbage time yardage, but it was all garbage time required yardage. So it's it's kind of up in the air of whether they're good offensively or desperate. Yeah, that sounds like a, a great point. Does anybody have any other points about this game or should we turn our attention to a Sunday slate which had about three games worth talking about and about seven that were just not at all? Um, all right, unanimous shakes of the head. Let's turn our attention to the Sunday slate where, um, well, before the season started, we both, uh, well, all of us took a little a little guesstimation on who could be the number one overall pick. And it turns out that none of us are anywhere near right because half of you said the Bears and I said the Seahawks. And we're going to now look at the Seattle Seahawks who completely obliterated the Los Angeles Chargers 37 to 23. I am eating absolute shit today because Geno Smith through another couple tuddies. Uh, one of them was really unfortunate. JC Jackson, while trying to cover Marquise Goodwin, dislocates his patella while he's running, which is fucking horrifying. Um, as somebody that's dislocated my patella three times, it sucks. It sucks a lot. I hope that he's okay. He's probably out for the season, unfortunately, but that completely left Marquise Goodwin open for a touchdown, and the Seahawks just pasted the fuck out of the Chargers. Uh, yeah, they are 4-3 and three and lead the NFC West, so good job to all of us for our dreadful takes. At least we were thinking about it from an analyst standpoint, and then the season got really weird. <laughs> You know, you know when you go on holiday and you go to like a foreign supermarket and you sort of like look around and you think, oh, well, like I recognize the product on that package, but I don't recognize the branding or anything like that. It's like it looks like a what's it, but there's like an, an alien advertising it or like, <laughs> you know, you know, what I mean, this is the yeah. Seahawks offense for me because I recognize everything that's happening, but there are names there that I haven't heard for years. You know, you yeah. know what I mean? There's there's stuff going on there where I'm like, oh yeah, that reminds me of a bag of, I don't know, like rosemary crisps I got in a supermarket in Spain. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Like in one, on the one hand familiar and on the other half totally alien. Like how is this happening? How is this happening? I think Gino Smith is still, I can't remember what his... Um like percentages because I'm 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 a bit useless when it comes to like mental maths with percentages but he still went 20 of 27 here. <laughs> I think he's still close to that 75% plus, which is unheard of not just for Geno Smith but for quarterbacks in general. Why is Geno 
spicing up the NFL in ways that nobody else, including half the elite quarterbacks from last season, able to do this year. What is going on? What a stupid season. Full of weird shit going on, including that Geno Smith might actually be good nine years into his NFL career. He could be. And that's such a stupid thing to think about, that Geno Smith could be better than, like, Matt Stafford or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins or Dak Prescott. Geno's playing better than all of them. And it's the thing is, this is a year in which quarterback play is not a factor in how good your team is. Like, the good teams are, pl- are performing well with average quarterback play. Gino and the Seahawks are the one team who you can look at and say, he is making that team a whole lot better. It's fucking you know what ludicrous. I'm like, the Bills it, are the most talent-rich team in the NFL, and they have Josh Allen. The Chiefs are an incredibly talent-rich team, and they have Mahomes. The Seahawks might be the most talent-poor team in the NFL, but because they have Geno, they're winning games. Why is this a thing? I can't help but also want to just, like, wax lyrical about Kenneth Walker, who's a guy that, I mean, some draft Knicks might have thought, oh, yeah, he's going to be great at the NFL level, but when it's a first-year running back, you can't really guarantee that you're going to get a 168-yard gain out of them. (laughs) <laughs> they they lost Rashad Penny, who was their running back one, and you sort of thought, like, all right, maybe they'll get a little bit more damp on offense. And then Kenneth Walker busts out 170 yards. What the fuck is going on in the NFL? Ludicrous. He's, he's faster than I thought. I think this Seahawks offense is a lot quicker than people. I think it, it hurts them to lose DK Metcalf um, for a few weeks with a knee. He got cut off, but I, I think he he's going to avoid surgery, which is, is good for them. Um, but you know they got a lot out of Marquise Goodwin in this game, and I think that was like he's not done too much. But if he can continue to step up, that'd be good. I mean, D. Eskridge is a bit of a write-off at this moment, at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I think they just sort of they're just playing exactly the way that that Pete Carroll would want them to play. And the good thing for them as well is. Their defense has been better than most people would have expected. I think Tariq Wollen and Kobe Bryant have been really good. Um, they've got some decent plays in the front seven, and and they're going to feel good about this one because they scored. Well, I don't think they got to twenty points last week against the Cardinals. So for them to come back out and then go over thirty points again, they'll they'll feel really good about that because. It's kind of like you're waiting with bated breath to see if the wheels are going to fall off because <laughs> you just assume they will. And this is the, the story for a lot of things in the NFL. You're either waiting for the wheels to come off certain teams or waiting for the wheels to come on to certain teams. Um, and the Seahawks, I don't... I mean, what, what is the reason that they would stop being really good? You just assume that Geno Smith's going to go back to being bad Geno Smith on the Jets in 2014 or whatever. But like that was a long time ago. I mean, at what point do you just accept that this is a <laughs> this fucked up version of reality is is what's real and and this is what we're gonna have to deal with and and it's gonna be like that play, the playoffs when it was like Nick Foles and oh, no. Case oh. Keenum and Blake Bortles it's gonna be like that again it's gonna be an NFC Championship game between Kirk Cousins and Geno Smith um, and to decide who gets 
fucking eviscerated in the Super Bowl by an AFC team. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is even about that year with Nick Foles in the Super Bowl, the, the the Eagles opened up the playbook that much that they managed to topple the the Patriots who were not only one seed in the AFC, but like Tom Brady was at like peak power again. It doesn't matter if they might they might not get eviscerated. Maybe Geno Smith catches four touchdowns in the Super Bowl. You can't predict what's going to happen in in like two months' time because who saw this coming? That would be a surprise. But so was Nick Foles doing that? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay. He caught one. Four would have been. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just lining up on the outside yeah. through locks firing lasers into him that, that would be a surprise to me I'm not going to lie the but you're right this season has been unpredictable the, um, the, yeah it's the anti-Matt Canada playbook um, they, it's, it's so weird to see that the Seahawks won the trade with the Denver Broncos but like so significantly won it got all the picks Got the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, Drew Locke. Got um, other pieces. I can't remember who even came over. I was so obsessed with the Drew Locke trade. Um, no offense. Shelby Harris. Balling out for 37 points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is it, is it because of how good the Seahawks are or the, because of how Brandon Staley has an inability to put together any kind of competitive season? Yeah, of all the charger of all the charger seasons, this yeah. one is just brutal. I mean, losing yeah. JC Jackson, they've Mike Williams got hurt in this game. They've just been a horrible. I mean, there's a lot of teams right now who are just playing under the weight of disappointment, and you can really see it. It's like they're trying to go like trudge through like waist high snow, um, and it's just everything's difficult and. It's not pleasant or fun to watch, and the Seahawks are like the antithesis of that. They're just, they're just, you know, they just, they know, they're they're just enjoying proving everyone wrong, and I think that's something we should aspire to as a podcast as well. <laughs> I think people have to listen to us in order to have things that we have to prove wrong. Yeah, I was about to say. I mean, people are starting to maybe take notes of Gino Smith, but when's anybody going to take note of Sam's brilliant analysis over the G Men? <laughs> We called out for listeners, but they ain't listen. (laughs) (laughs) He was prescient. He was prescient when he said that, as if he had any right to be that cocky about it. (laughs) Uh, And yet, and yet. Brilliant. All right. Let's turn our attention then to, uh, because I'm conscious of the fact that Max is about 15 minutes away and I want to get his rant in at peak powers. The Washington Commanders, 23-21 to 21 winners over the Green Bay Packers, who fall to 3-4 and four at FedEx Field. Max, take it away. It's, it's, it's just an embarrassment, right? It's a total embarrassment. I was thinking about this, because to be honest with you, I didn't even waste my time watching it. Ed, Ed looks happier than he did when Emma was walking up the aisle, I've been there for both, and he did, he used a little jig, which he did not do at the wedding. But um, <laughs> um, this felt more jig appropriate than that moment, to be fair. Oh well, I don't know. You know, there's there's a little a little happy little jig is cute, but no, the the Packers, and for that matter, a number of other teams, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, are kind of 
just like rudderless at the moment. And and I was thinking about what the Packers are reminding me of because they're kind of just spineless. And this was the first game since 1999 that the Packers did not convert a single third or fourth down in. And this is and now the last four games you played four quarterbacks who I don't actually consider to be NFL star quality quarterbacks. Um other than potentially Baby Zappin. <laughs> so you got an overtime win against Baby Zappin in his first game, which was closer than it should have been. You lost to Zach Wilson, you lost to Daniel Jones, and, and now you've lost to Taylor Heineke. Um, and it's it's just like, it's, it's, it reminded me of, you know people on Twitter whose entire personality is based on the fact that they used to being gifted and talented when they were in school? And all they do is tweet about how, oh, when I was in school, I was really smart, and now I don't do anything, and I'm a disappointment to everyone, and that's, like, their entire personality. That's kind of what the Packers remind me of at the moment. It's, like, it's not cute. It's not funny. It's not, you know, just moping around all the time. And I can damn well tell you that nobody feels sorry for you, you know. this your own, <laughs> It's a mess of your own making. And they're not waking up to the fact that this isn't just, like... You know, a few losses in a row. <laughs> it, it just shouldn't happen to a team who would consider themselves to be contenders. And my question to them would be, what are you possibly going to do about it? Because someone has to step up and take control here. I think, I like, I love Matt LaFleur as a coach, but I think he's far too deferential to Aaron Rodgers in this offense. And Aaron Rodgers, we've seen it before from him in his career. He, when things aren't going his way, he holds on to the ball, he's so risk-averse, um, he won't ever really throw up a true jump ball because he doesn't want to get intercepted. He doesn't trust his receivers, so he doesn't give them a chance. And he seems to just... There's the same DNA in this Packers team. They'll do things like get to third and one and throw a deep shot when they haven't hit one all game. Or they'll run in second and ten and get three yards, and you know that there's not even any point playing the third down because it's going to be an incompletion. And this is a team that should be good. And it should lean on the strength of its running backs, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. David Bakhtiari didn't really play in this game, but the offensive line should be more of a strength. And the defense needs to grow a spine because they've got good players. They had about four dropped picks in this game, which, I mean, when Devondre Campbell comes up with a massive scoop and score for a touchdown, I put in the group chat, I was like, I hate this team. Because... Even though they they've got a huge positive play like that, it it doesn't it doesn't feel like it, it lifts them, and it feels like they're relying on plays like that, like there's no structure. And when the offense is just generating three a three and out after three and out, it's so lethargic, and it almost it's almost like you can see that energy spread to the defense, and they just lie down and they let up these long drives to a bunch of schlubs. We got beat by a backup quarterback and a running back who got shot, right? It's just an embarrassment, and they need to sort something out. And I'm, I'm almost ready to say I'm, I would, I'm almost ready to move on from the Aaron Rodgers era because he's, he's just the same guy that he always has been. But he needs to be a system quarterback right now. I think Matt LaFleur can cook up a decent, even without, you know, major outside talent in the receiving core. I think with the running backs and and some some promising young players who can catch a, a pass over the middle. That's just what they need to do. And 
it, it's driving me nuts. It's, oh, it's just like living in purgatory. They're the same team every year. I mean, they really are. I mean, that's everything. Any other, that, yeah. any other thoughts? Yeah. yeah, none. None for me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that might be the most champagne problem rant I've ever heard. You've somehow managed to <laughs> eclipse. It's a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my team's too talented to be this bad. Not all oh, my team's drafted poorly consistently for years. They are too talented to be this bad. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say there's 13 of 3, but they should be able to win a few games. God, tip. That is so typical of it. Even though I've just spent like a. 35 minutes criticising the Packers. He's like, you didn't even criticise the Packers. He, uh, <laughs> he's had to move on from me being the champagne problem part of this show because I used to do the same yeah. thing, but now my team is just legitimately bad. So I don't I don't have a champagne problem yeah. to talk about. Actually, a second day pick who I want off this team immediately Amari Rogers has five career receptions and five career fumbles. <laughs> He's consistent. Yeah. yeah. If anything, the yeah. only consistent part about him is his consistency. You've got to find a balance in the offense between good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> he takes off his gloves and his hands are just like breadsticks. <laughs> yeah. Yin and Yang Rogers. All right. Let's, uh, let's turn our attention then to the Bay Area where the San Francisco 49ers, another champagne franchise, sitting at 3-4 and four right now. 44-23 to 23 win for the Kansas City Chiefs. This one was a, a lot closer than the scoreline would suggest, but when the Chiefs turn it on, the Chiefs turn it on. And uh, boy, howdy, did they. Uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing for 423 yards, three tuddies. Nice game out of Juju Smith-Schuster for the second day in a row. Seven catches, 124 yards, and a touchdown. Pretty, pretty good. Just good play by a good team against bad play by a bad team, and it almost, it almost didn't go that way for large parts of this game. I just, you know, yeah, Patrick you just... Mahomes. Oh, sorry, no, no, you, you first. I was gonna. I've just got a quick, crazy stat, which is like this year, 41 percent of Patrick Mahomes' throws goes for a first down. They're like the they just move. They just move the chains. They just move the chains relentlessly. Like when you watch an offense, you can't pick up a first down. It looks impossible. But they seem to just, you know, they're in their bag at the moment. Andy Reid and, and Mahomes, and um, I think losing Tyreek Hill, it's not exactly subtraction by addition, but I think they knew that they could continue to be a really effective offense for them. Yeah, fair enough. I th- I think the, the, the point that I was going to make isn't actually dissimilar, but I was going to talk about Andy Reid and basically say that his the creativity of the offense is on another level compared to 30 other teams in the NFL. Like There's only the Greg Roman Baltimore offense that has as many wrinkles and as many... Because, I mean, the Chiefs only run about five or six different concepts, but they just line up everywhere. Oh, it's the they fucking Mike Canada most... thing again. No, 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 because Matt, no, because Matt Canada plays at like thirty concepts, but they all out of like split back yeah. <laughs> twenty-one personnel. Like the Chiefs do everything; they have like four wide receiver sets, they have jumbo packages that they throw out of. You know, they run crack top. 
That was quite a funny way for his... Uh, for I his think Ed was going to say, they run crack toss. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did oh, I, did I freeze? Yeah. Oh, I, I did a really good like little bit there, but yeah, it was about how much crack toss Andy Reid played. But no, they. <laughs> I was saying they run crack toss out of four wide receiver sets. They like throw pass plays out of jumbo packages. They just... Do you never know? You never know with an Andy Reid offense what play is coming next, and for that you're always sort of behind the eight ball. It's it's Mahomes is brilliant, but Mahomes, Mahomes, his abilities allow Andy Reid to be his perfect maniacal genius that he is. Mahomes can be um, a system. In the Chiefs, he's, he's like a system. He's the perfect quarterback for the system, is what I'm trying to say, right? Like, his improvisation means they can do anything. And and the Chiefs are just on this level where you sometimes wonder to yourself, how do you even stop that? Like, so, say, for example, you're watching um, Josh Allen throw a 75-yard bomb downfield to Isaiah McKenzie as Tom did, uh, uh, sorry, as Shappers did, what, seven or eight times in their game? Um, but... <laughs> When it comes to the Chiefs, it's the schematics. You're just there, like you don't know what you would do as a defensive coordinator other than break down and cry. Like if say the Chiefs are in third and goal at the one, then you know you know they're gonna run the shovel play inside to Kelsey or something. And you do you just like it must just be maddening to play them. And you can see that sometimes I think on our position teams. They they've got that. Um the best example I can give is when you know when teams would play like Alex Ferguson's Man United teams. They've got like that aura around them where they can also just sit back and let and let teams beat themselves. It's um, it's what like Valdez Scantlin was brought in to replace the speed and the behind the defense ability of Tariq Hill, and properly for the first time. I mean, he had three receptions for 111 yards, averaging 37 yards a reception. Like that's the reason he's been brought in, and he's finally showing that. I was out on both him and Smith Schuster. The, in the off-season, both went over 100 yards yesterday. And they weren't even the stars of the show because, like, Mikhail Hardman got, what, three touchdowns? Yeah. When Mikhail Hardman's going off for three touchdowns, you know they're firing on all cylinders. Yeah. And it's, um, it's a thing of, like, terrifying beauty to watch. My, uh, my, my, I only have one bone to pick though with the Chiefs is, uh, it's actually a fantasy point and it's that, uh, all throughout the week, Isaiah Pacheco was listed as, like, he was getting running back one snaps and then the only guy that scores a fucking touchdown is Clyde again on, on like a long outside run to the outside and I'm like, right, great, thanks. You've run twice with me, Cole Hardman on the goal line and got him a fucking touchdown and yet Isaiah Pacheco gets nothing. Fuck you, Andy Reid. You've, you've, you've mentioned the long again. outside run. You've mentioned the long outside run. Tom, what design was that long outside run? Oh, was I it crack toss? It was. Yes, it was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, also, just another thing that I think um, maybe the Chiefs, if they want to become a perfect team this season, need to do is replace Sky Moore as their return man. He had another muff punt today. It was it was a muff punt that cost them against Inday in one of their only losses of the season. I'm not saying that it could have cost them, but it definitely could have cost them because the game was on a knife edge at that point. Anything else? Nothing for me. Sweet. All right. Um, cool. Which now puts us in... Uh, 
puts us in in pretty glum territory looking at the rest of the league. But there is one more game that we do have to talk about before you know we start just rattling through everything, and that is that the New York Football Giants, the G-Men, the boys in blue, are six and one after beating the Jacksonville Jaguars twenty three to seventeen. What is happening? Go on, you boys in blue. <laughs> Soundboard ex- excitement. It's not a real record, though, is it? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not believing it. It's not a real record. It's beating bad teams like the Packers, um, <laughs> and, and the Panthers. You know, it's um, overcoming like the Ravens who can't defend. It's beating the Jaguars who sometimes look good, sometimes look bad. I don't, I don't believe in them. Uh, they can get wherever they want in terms of um, the record. They can be number one seeds for all I care. They're one and done in the playoffs. They're not. They're not taking down any real teams. The look on it. the look on Max's Everything. face, by the way, just to quickly before we move off of it, Max's face has just lit up lighter than like any Packers win this season. What Packers win? That's not funny. <laughs> no, I was going to say I, I I totally agree with everything that's just been said. Except for the one thing that really plays into the Giants' um, hands there is that you you said they won't beat an actually decent team, but they are in the NFC. So it could well be that um, they could close out and go 20 and 1 to finish the season. (laughs) This is, I, I just. I, I, I despair of that opinion. They're beating teams because they're better coached. They have out. Brian Dayball has outcoached six teams in a row. Or whenever they did, they get their loss week one. I can't remember. No, they beat the Titans week one in another game oh. where they outcoached another overrated head coach. <laughs> what did Mike Frable do to deserve that? But um, <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, so yeah. I was going to talk about how John Harbaugh is an overrated head coach <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought the live rounds might be flying for Harbaugh. But I yeah, I'm I'm just enjoying watching these plucky New York football giants go. Like, yeah, the dream might not last. It might not. It won't. It might not last. But it's just nice to see them doing well in their plucky little white and red. You know, I don't want to live in a world where Darius Slayton is the leading receiver on a six and one team. I don't want to live in that NFL. <laughs> I don't like it. Did you... it. He doesn't. I don't think he even has. I don't think they've got a two hundred yard receiver, right? No. <laughs> They're like the if you put the Bears in like the perfection machine, you'd probably get the Giants come out the other end. <laughs> ten, ten receivers caught a pass. Ten receivers caught a pass in the Giants game. Um, well, two were targeted, didn't catch one. But I'm not. I don't want to live in that world. I don't like it. Well, what, we, excessive might... rotation. Well, <laughs> yeah, but with all terrible football players. Well, you might. <laughs> then you why might, do they keep winning? You might get a reprieve actually, because uh, weird star over the last three weeks, Daniel Bellinger is going to be out for the season after what was probably the most gruesome injury of the week, where it looked like his eye got gouged. My God! It, I yeah, don't know. Did you, did you see, see it? it? it was... He it's like yeah, a, a defender went for like a, the peanut punch right and missed and managed somehow to wedge his hand in the face mask. Right? Yeah, so yeah, like his eye was like gushing with blood. 
He had to. He's now had to have like facial reconstruction surgery around his eye socket oh. and also tissue surgery on his actual eyeball. It's horrible. It's, it's pretty gross. And the 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 sad part is that he was genuinely a bright light. Yeah, he could have actually <laughs> been their first two hundred yard receiver of the season. Oh, they it's, don't even need yeah, it. It goes back to what we said about the Giants after they beat the Packers, where they, they are really well coached, but um, almost every team they've played that they've beaten has just beaten themselves, right? So yeah. week one against the Titans, the game ended with um, a 47-yard miss from Randy. Uh, the Panthers and the Panthers. Um, the Bears... I can't remember how that Bears game ended. I seem to recall a crazy lateral, but I, I think... It was like a desperation situation. The Ravens turned it over twice in their last two possessions. The Giants, oh sorry, the Packers. Uh, they had those like a couple of that's and, and, and another thing that annoys me. That, um, they had the fumbles and the game and um, the two tip passes. And then in this game, obviously Trevor Lawrence fumbles right at the end, which helped them um, get into a situation where even the refs couldn't assist them back into this game on that final drive. Um, so, you guys can enjoy the Giants. I I don't know. Do you think they're an actually good? Oh no! Like, what do you actually think of them? Or or are they like the Seahawks to you, but with personal connotations? I think that I think that they're a well coached team, and they have Saquon Barkley, who's playing as well as his rookie season. He's been offensive player of the year. From the, uh, well, yeah, I'd I'd say so. Um. Daniel Jones has played about as well as I've ever seen him play, and he's playing consistently well. Like he's had two hundred passing yards and a hundred rushing yards in this game as well. Like he he is playing well. I don't know if that's more because the rest of the NFL's quarterback situation is pretty dire right now, and so Daniel Jones looks great. But like he he is playing good system football in a Brian in a Brian Dable situation. So um, I I. I think I think that as a whole, their team is playing very well in the sum of their parts, but I don't think that they're playing phenomenally. As a, I, I think that they are probably going to lose in the playoffs, but why not just enjoy the ride for all of us with personal connotations to Samuel Howitzer Longdon? I hate the Giants <laughs> long before I loved Sam. That's fair enough. Uh, we also have... one. Oh, I was going to say one last um, podcast related note for this um, for this game. Um, in in the same vein as not satisfied with one and zero from the Jags a couple of years ago, um, that they are now zero and four since Nick Deal came on this podcast and confidently told us that they would be winning the AFC South. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh. The thing is, I when he said that as well, I knew he was I knew he was my guy because I one hundred percent agreed with that. We should well, have we should have known that was a curse take if Ed and Nick <laughs> Deal are both on board. <laughs> yeah, in terms of pure curses, I, I lead this podcast considerably. Uh Max is just sort of like patting the top of his head. Yeah, He's I'm doing the thing out. that you know, players do when they need to be substituted out of the game. Oh yeah. All right. Well, in which case, we'll uh, we'll we'll bang the the rest of these games very quickly, and uh, get out of here. But 
Good to see you, Max. Yeah, happy 101th episode, guys. A yeah. pleasure it has been. Wonderful. <laughs> Bye. See you later. Bye. Oh, okay, so we have just six more games left, but these are going to go by very quickly. Come on. Come on. That many. All right. Well, no, we'll we'll smash them. We'll smash them out. So I, I think that now is the appropriate time where we do a, a little thing where we only make one point around the horn each about each of these games, and you can just you can substitute your point out and not not have it, but one point each. And we'll start with the Buccaneers 3, Panthers 21. And uh, where better place to start than Ed on his returning show? What's your one point about this game, if you have one? I just... My one point about... Genuinely, my one point about this game is I fucking love Brian Burns. Like... (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I just think he's great. I just think he's great. Like, if he made his way to Minnesota one day, I'd be chuffed to bits. Fair enough. Clappers, have you got a point about this game? Deonta Foreman is for real. Oh. We knew it anyway, but now with McCaffrey out of town, uh, Chubba Hubbard's not the the answer. Foreman is. All right. Some Deonta Foreman takes. Uh, Yeah, I'm just going to come out and take the the low-hanging fruit here and say that Tom Brady should have retired when Giselle stopped putting spells on his games. Who knew that witchcraft had a weird place in the NFL for old Tommy Timeless over there? <laughs> well, I'm afraid your time's run out, Brady. You're gone. Seriously, Imagine, please. Bench him. Yeah. Bench him. PJ Walker at Mitchell Trubisky and you lost yeah. both. Well, yeah. Fuck it. Do it. It would make my day to watch Tom Brady bow out in that unceremonious fashion it worked for denver maybe he can come back and do a postseason run like when peyton manning was the worst quarterback in the league in 2015 buccaneers need a brock osweiler they need to bench tom brady <laughs> oh all right okay i take let's just let's just do a thought experiment before we before we move on i'm sorry i'm sorry to do this if if, for whatever reason, Tampa decided to do exactly that and they didn't think Gabbert was the answer, who are they who, who are they picking up mid-season to try and, like, carry Tom Brady to the playoffs? It would be some shit if they went after Mac Jones. Oh my God. Imagine exactly Brady getting replaced twice by Mac Jones. How, how good would That's, that be? How amazing. I was thinking... In my mind, in my mind, the Gardner Minshew Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a playoff team, oh. and there is no, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that that's the thing. Oh my god! <laughs> have you got a, uh, have you got a quarterback that you'd like to see replace Tom Brady on the bench? Um, part of me wanted Kyle Trask to for a little while as I drafted him about six leagues, thinking he'd take over long term. <laughs> but like, I just. I just want him to pick up some random like Matt Flynn type <laughs> off the off the heap of, and then just watch and see what happens. I mean, it's a good point. Yeah. What is there to really stop like Matt Hasselbeck coming out of retirement for one final run? <laughs> oh 
brilliant. Oh, the, fact that, the fact Give the keys to Paxton Lynn. My favourite thing about it is that with how bad Brady's playing and we've already seen one like rental quarterback getting benched this week, this could actually le- legitimately be a thing if 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 like Todd Bowles really wanted it to be. Brilliant. What a stupid I'm season. To, I'm just trying to think who's out. Now I'm intrigued as to who are out there. The, the Drew Locke Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mason Rudolph. Throwing deep shots to Mike Evans. <laughs> <laughs> throwing deep shots to where Mike Evans was five seconds ago. Yeah. No, he's really good at throwing the ball 50 yards. It's everything before that that he's terrible at. Are we, talk- are we talking Mason Rudolph here? Yeah. <laughs> the guy who can't anticipate a wide receiver. Well, he can't anticipate. <laughs> open and he's like... But, no, but he can't do that for the okay, first 49 it. yards. But he can do it 50 yards onwards. That's that's my point. It's really I've weird. I've derailed things, I'm sorry. Yeah. I've derailed things in my thought experiment. Let's yeah. move on. All right, moving on to Falcons 17, Bengals 35. Uh, we'll, we'll reverse on it. We'll snake it here. Uh, did anybody else think that Joe Burrow was going to break the all-time single-passing game record? I think he was up to, like, 370 at halftime, and I was thinking, you know, as the Falcons started making this game a little bit more of a game again, were we going to see it? But he, he fell he fell way short, unfortunately. 481 on the day. Uh, he absolutely could have done it if they didn't go into coast mode. Yeah. I'd say that they should just let him do it. Just, just once. Just let Joe Burrow break. Like, who is it that has the record? Like Norm Van Brocklin or some shit. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Rams. Yeah, when they when they were doing that just complete run and shoot. Yeah, we got a historian in the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, came, it came on a video I watched uh, this this afternoon. It's not, uh, not through, <laughs> not through someone else. Oh, brilliant. Uh, all right, clappers point about falcons bengals um it's kind of more about the general nfl but it, it concerns one of the bengals players and it's that national tight ends day is my favorite day of the year and it was punctuated by hayden hurst just having fun on a football field yeah fair enough yeah i just i love that like they kind of show a bit of respect for tight ends but then as soon as it's national tight ends day every tight end just goes i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna have a weird day and they just start doing weird stuff and it's great it's just so much fun to watch yeah it was quite nice watching uh kittle and kelsey both do like handshakes with greg olsen and meeting at midfield for national tight ends day in the, in yeah. the chiefs niners and I, I wonder if the schedule makers specifically put like greg olsen on the call of a kelsey and kittle like the two best tight ends when this of holiday was created it, it had to be yeah, this isn't. This is by design. Yeah. Um. All right, Ed. Point about where are Drake London and Kyle Pitts? <laughs> That's my only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know, when Olamide Zacchaeus is your like number one wide receiver, you need to take a long, hard look at. Like the strengths of your offense. Like I love what the Falcons bring to the table in terms of like. We are going to absolutely smash it down your throat, whether it's one of our like stable of no name guys or Marcus Mariota. Like, great. But how 
how how can you have Kyle Pitts and Drake London and an inaccurate quarterback and that not lead to like good results when he's just slanging it and you're trusting those guys to go up and get it and they're not doing it. They're not doing it. It is daft. Because they had that 75-yard touchdown to Demir Beard and I was just sort of sat there and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've not really targeted Drake London once this game, though. <laughs> they, the two of them combined for four catches for 18 yards. <laughs> Kyle Pitts on three catches, averaging what? three yards a catch. <laughs> what just... And the, before the season, they were putting things out about them being the Towers of Power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Um, and then uh, the last one of these, like, even in fact, I, I'd be prepared to put this in the like back end category of games that I just don't give a shit about. Colts ten, Titans nineteen. It was at least divisional. And uh, Matt Ryan being officially benched is the only news story here because he is cooked. I've not seen a guy be that washed and kept on the field for that long since Tom Brady earlier this day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's... It's sad. Like, as as someone who really appreciated the sort of... I don't know plain white bread that was Matt Ryan for the majority of his career. Like, they're chucking all sorts. And bless him, he looks so upset by the whole ordeal. He's standing there and he's just looking sad. And I'm like, Matt, just retire. I think the reason why he might look sad is because he's really not adjusting well to the uh, dreadful colour of the grass at at, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. But he does that. you can get me. So... He's come from Atlanta. He's come. He's come from Atlanta, the like absolute brown toilet water turf that they've got there. Even Indianapolis is a is an improvement. <laughs> I just understand how you can go for like a basically a career day against the Jags, and then the next week have this awful week, and just then you're getting bench. You're getting benched for what? Sam was it? Sam Ellinger? Yeah, Sam Ellinger. Yeah, they've got Nick Foles playing back up. Yeah, like what? I don't, I don't understand that one. But the thing is, I just want Michael Pittman to have a real quarterback to throw to him because he could easily be the best receiver in the NFL with a real quarterback. Yeah, maybe he'd be. I think he could be up there. Yeah, I mean that's not discounting people like Justin Jefferson who are just true elite players, but. Michael Pittman has all the physical tools, and if he had a top quarterback, he could be as good as any of them. I mean, again, kind of. I always just. uh... I always see this is the thing. I always loved Ty. Ty was one of my favorite guys for like a long time, and I just think that it's got to the point now where they desperately need a quarterback, and they fired Andrew Luck out of the building, and they desperately need a wide receiver, and. Ty could probably still do a job if he hadn't like Taylor Lockett style, if he hadn't just been smashed to pieces by the Colts machine. <laughs> yeah, it's they've sort of wasted all that there was about like Luck and Ty. To be honest, it is it is it is a real shame that they've just sort of like they wasted the careers of two complete all pros and now they're stuck in this situation where they need a, another guy 
to th- to throw the ball. They need another guy to catch the ball. It's like, oh, what was the point? What would what did we what did they accomplish within that last eight years? Just... Does does Frank Wright keep his job? No, I think that. I think that Frank Reich is in the hottest of the seats out of any of the out of any of the coaches right now. I'd say because there's no pop about him right now. There's literally zero pop about this whole team, and they went after Matt Ryan with twenty five million dollars and thirteen thirteen million dollars guaranteed next year, and they're benching him week eight because. It's been a disaster, but the whole team's been a disaster. Like they, they were meant to also be propped up by their defense, but even their defense isn't really doing all that much. Granted, I know the Titans didn't score an offensive touchdown here, but like the Colts' defense has been like weirdly kind of shit this year. They, they are lucky to be three, three and one right now. They are genuinely they, they are in a position where I wouldn't feel shocked if they were one and five yeah or one and six sorry and that's genuinely like that's got to be on the head coach at this point as well fair enough hard agree yeah absolutely all right um does anybody actually want to talk about the jets broncos lions cowboys or texans raiders game or should we just should we just dip and call it here and Sack it off. If anyone's listening to this far, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. You can have a cookie a cookie and a sticker. I don't really have anything to plug. I'm uh, just always looking to tell people how great the Dolphins are um, and uh, talk about that, basically. I'm, I've am i started, I've got back to writing. I'm starting writing again. So just, yeah, people check out my Twitter and uh, they'll see articles appearing left, right and centre, hopefully. Sweet. And that Twitter handle is at Tommy Claps. So, yeah. Thanks for everyone that's listened. It's a big mood. It's a big mood over there. Yeah. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure, though, to uh, to not only get to this point, but also to get a guy that we have great respect on the show for this monumentous occasion. Thank you for joining us, Tom. It's been an absolute blast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hopefully, hopefully you're uh, willing to come back in, in another, oh. another, another day. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. I'll be back as soon as you'll have me. I've had a really good time. I've talked NFL with uh, people I talk NFL with all the time anyway. Um, and it's been brilliant. So thank you very much for having me. And, and uh, congratulations on your episodes. Yes. Is it 101? Thank you very much. 101, yeah. The That's 101st. Right. So. Yeah, more than more than The Sopranos. More than Breaking I'm Bad. Sopranos, I do think on myself. Wow. Oh. <laughs> low, low bar from the Sopranos there. 